chapter sixteenth of the heart of midlothian by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah one was a female who had grievous ill wrought in revenge and she enjoyed it still sullen she was and threatening in her eye glared the stern triumph that she dared to die crab the summons of preparation arrived after jeanie deans had resided in the metropolis about three weeks on the morning appointed she took a grateful farewell of mrs glass as that good woman's attention to her particularly required placed herself and her movable goods which purchases and presents had greatly increased in a hackney coach and joined her travelling companions in the housekeeper's apartment at argyle house while the carriage was getting ready she was informed that the duke wished to speak with her and being ushered into a splendid salon she was surprised to find that he wished to present her to his lady and daughters i bring you my little countrywoman duchess these were the words of the introduction with an army of young fellows as gallant and steady as she is and a good cause i would not fear two to one ah papa said a lively young lady about twelve years old remember you were full one to two at sheriff muir and yet singing the well-known ballad some say that we won and some say that they won and some say that none won at all man but of one thing i'm sure that on sheriff muir a battle there was that i saw man what little mary turned tory on my hands this will be fine news for our countrywoman to carry down to scotland we may all turn tories for the thanks we have got for remaining whigs said the second young lady well hold your peace you discontented monkeys and go dress your babies and as for the bob of dunblane if it wasna well bobbit well bobbit well bobbit if it wasna well bobbit well bobbit again papa's wit is running low said lady mary the poor gentleman is repeating himself he's saying that on the field of battle when he was told the highlanders had cut his left wing to pieces with their claymores a pool by the hair was the repartee to this sally ah brave highlanders and bright claymores said the duke well do i wish them for all the ill they've done me yet as the song goes but come madcaps say a civil word to your countrywoman i wish ye had half her canny hamely sense i think you may be as leal and true-hearted the duchess advanced and in a few words in which there was as much kindness as civility assured jeanie of the respect which she had for a character so affectionate and yet so firm and added when you get home you will perhaps hear from me and from me and from me and from me jeanie 
added the young ladies one after the other for you are a credit to the land we love so well Jeanie, overpowered by these unexpected compliments and not aware that the duke's investigation had made him acquainted with her behaviour on her sister's trial could only answer by blushing and courtesying round and round and uttering at intervals many thanks many thanks Jeanie said the duke you must have doc and doroc or you will be unable to travel there was a salver with cake and wine on the table he took up a glass drank to all true hearts that loved scotland and offered a glass to his guest Jeanie, however declined it saying that she had never tasted wine in her life how comes that Jeanie? said the duke wine maketh glad the heart you know ay sir but my father is like jonadab the son of rechab who charged his children that they should drink no wine i thought your father would have had more sense said the duke unless indeed he prefers brandy but however Jeanie, if you will not drink you must eat to save the character of my house he thrust upon her a large piece of cake nor would he permit her to break off a fragment and lay the rest on a salver put it in your pouch Jeanie," said he you will be glad of it before you see st giles steeple i wish to heaven i were to see it as soon as you and so my best service to all my friends at and about old reeky and a blithe journey to you and mixing the frankness of a soldier with his natural affability he shook hands with his protege and committed her to the charge of archibald satisfied that he had provided sufficiently for her being attended to by his domestics from the unusual attention with which he had himself treated her accordingly in the course of her journey she found both her companions disposed to pay her every possible civility so that her return in point of comfort and safety formed a strong contrast to her journey to london her heart also was disburdened of the weight of grief shame apprehension and fear which had loaded her before her interview with the queen at richmond but the human mind is so strangely capricious that when freed from the pressure of real misery it becomes open and sensitive to the apprehension of ideal calamities she was now much disturbed in mind that she had heard nothing from reuben butler to whom the operation of writing was so much more familiar than it was to herself it would have cost him so little fash she said to herself for i have seen his pen gone as fast over the paper as ever it did over the water when it was in the grey goose's wing woe's me maybe he may be badly 
but then my father would likely have said something about it or maybe he may have taken the rue and kensna know how to let me wot of his change of mind he needna be at muckle fash about it she went on drawing herself up though the tear of honest pride and injured affection gathered in her eye as she entertained the suspicion jeanie deans is no the lass to put him by the sleeve or put him in mind of what he wishes to forget i shall wish him well and happy all the same and if he has the luck to get a kirk in our country i shall gang and hear him just the very same to show that i bear no malice and as she imagined the scene the tear stole over her eye in these melancholy reveries jeanie had full time to indulge herself for her travelling companions servants in a distinguished and fashionable family had of course many topics of conversation in which it was absolutely impossible she could have either pleasure or portion she had therefore abundant leisure for reflection and even for self-tormenting during the days which indulging the young horses the duke was sending down to the north with sufficient ease and short stages they occupied in reaching the neighbourhood of carlisle in approaching the vicinity of that ancient city they discerned a considerable crowd upon an eminence at a little distance from the high road and learned from some passengers who were gathering towards that busy scene from the southward that the cause of the concourse was the laudable public desire to see a doomed scotch witch and thief get half of her due upon harraby brew yonder for she was only to be hanged she should have been borned alive and cheap on it dear mr archibald said the dame of the dairy elect i never seed a woman hanged in all my life and only four men as made a goodly spectacle mr archibald however was a scotchman and promised himself no exuberant pleasure in seeing his countrywoman undergo the terrible behests of law moreover he was a man of sense and delicacy in his way and the late circumstances of jeanie's family with the cause of her expedition to london were not unknown to him so that he answered dryly it was impossible to stop as he must be early at carlisle on some business of the duke's and he accordingly bid the postilions get on the road at that time passed at about a quarter of a mile's distance from the eminence called harraby or harraby brow which though it is very moderate in size and height is nevertheless seen from a great distance around owing to the flatness of the country through which the eden flows here many an outlaw and border rider of both kingdoms had wavered in the wind during the wars and scarce less hostile truces between the two countries upon harraby in latter days other executions had taken place with as little ceremony as compassion for these frontier provinces 
remained long unsettled and even at the time of which we write were ruder than those in the centre of england the postillions drove on wheeling as the penrith road led them round the verge of the rising ground yet still the eyes of mrs dolly dutton which with the head and substantial person to which they belonged were all turned towards the scene of action could discern plainly the outline of the gallows-tree relieved against the clear sky the dark shade formed by the persons of the executioner and the criminal upon the light rounds of the tall aerial ladder until one of the objects launched into the air gave unequivocal signs of mortal agony though appearing in the distance not larger than a spider dependent at the extremity of his invisible thread while the remaining form descended from its elevated situation and regained with all speed an undistinguished place among the crowd this termination of the tragic scene drew forth of course a squall from mrs dutton and jeanie with instinctive curiosity turned her head in the same direction the sight of a female culprit in the act of undergoing the fatal punishment from which her beloved sister had been so recently rescued was too much not perhaps for her nerves but for her mind and feelings she turned her head to the other side of the carriage with a sensation of sickness of loathing and of fainting her female companion overwhelmed her with questions with proffers of assistance with requests that the carriage might be stopped that a doctor might be fetched that drops might be gotten that burnt feathers and asafoetida fair water and hartshorn might be procured all at once and without one instant's delay archibald more calm and considerate only desired the carriage to push forward and it was not till they had got beyond sight of the fatal spectacle that seeing the deadly paleness of jeanie's countenance he stopped the carriage and jumping out himself went in search of the most obvious and most easily procured of mrs dutton's pharmacopoeia a draught namely of fair water while archibald was absent on this good-natured piece of service damming the ditches which produced nothing but mud and thinking upon the thousand bubbling springlets of his own mountains the attendants on the execution began to pass the stationary vehicle in their way back to carlisle from their half-heard and half-understood words Jeanie, whose attention was involuntarily riveted by them as that of children is by ghost stories though they know the pain with which they will afterwards remember them Jeanie, i say could discern that the present victim of the law had died game as it is termed by those unfortunates that is sullen reckless and impenitent neither fearing god nor regarding man a store woof and a dower 
said one cumbrian peasant as he clattered by in his wooden brogues with a noise like the trampling of a dray-horse she has gone to ho-master with ho's name in her mouth said another shame the country should be harried with scotch witches and scotch bitches this gate but i say hang and drown ay ay gaffer tramp take away yeldon take away low hang the witch and there will be less scathe among us mine osin have been reckon this taumont and mine bairns have been crining too mon replied his neighbour silence with your fool tongues ye churls said an old woman who hobbled past them as they stood talking near the carriage this was no witch but a bloody-fingered thief and murderess ay was it even so dame hinchup said one in a civil tone and stepping out of his place to let the old woman pass along the footpath nay you know best sure but at any rate we have but tent a scot of her and that's a thing better lost than found the old woman passed on without making any answer ay ay neighbour said gaffer tramp seest thou how one witch will speak for the other scots or english the same to them his companion shook his head and replied in the same subdued tone ay ay when a sark-foot wife gets on her broomstick the dames of allenby are ready to mount just as sure as the byward gangs of the hills if skiddaw hath a cap criffle wots full well of that but continued gauger tramp thinkest thou the daughter of yon hanget body isna as rank a witch as ho i canna clearly returned the fellow but the folk are speaking of swimming her in the eden and they passed on their several roads after wishing each other good morning just as the clowns left the place and as mr archibald returned with some fair water a crowd of boys and girls and some of the lower rabble of more mature age came up from the place of execution grouping themselves with many a yell of delight around a tall female fantastically dressed who was dancing leaping and bounding in the midst of them a horrible recollection pressed on jeanie as she looked on this unfortunate creature and the reminiscence was mutual for by a sudden exertion of great strength and agility madge wildfire broke out of the noisy circle of tormentors who surrounded her and clinging fast to the door of the calash uttered in a sound betwixt laughter and screaming ay do ye can jeanie deans they have hanged our mother then suddenly changing her tone to that of the most piteous entreaty she added oh gar them let me gang to cut her down let me but cut her down she is my mother if she was worse than the devil and she'll be no more can speckle than half hang it maggie dixon that cried sot many a day after she had been hang it her voice was rupert and hoarse and her neck was a wee a gee 
or ye would have kenned no odds on her from any other sot-wife mr archibald embarrassed by the mad woman's clinging to the carriage and detaining around them her noisy and mischievous attendants was all this while looking out for a constable or beadle to whom he might commit the unfortunate creature but seeing no such person of authority he endeavoured to loosen her hold from the carriage that they might escape from her by driving on this however could hardly be achieved without some degree of violence madge held fast and renewed her frantic entreaties to be permitted to cut down her mother it was but a tenpenny toe lost she said and what was that to a woman's life there came up however a parcel of savage-looking fellows butchers and graziers chiefly among whose cattle there had been of late a very general and fatal distemper which their wisdom imputed to witchcraft they laid violent hands on madge and tore her from the carriage exclaiming what doest stop folk of king's highway hast no done mischief enough already with thy murders and thy witcherings oh jeanie deans jeanie deans exclaimed the poor maniac save my mother and i will take ye to the interpreter's house again and i will teach ye all my bonny sangs and i will tell ye what came of thee the rest of her entreaties were drowned in the shouts of the rabble save her for god's sake save her from those people exclaimed jeanie to archibald she is mad but quite innocent she is mad gentlemen said archibald do not use her ill take her before the mayor ay ay we have care enough on her answered one of the fellows gang thou thy gate man and mine thine own matters he's a scot by his tongue said another and an he will come out of his whirligig there i's give him his tartan plaid full of broken bones it was clear nothing could be done to rescue madge and archibald who was a man of humanity could only bid the postilions hurry on to carlisle that he might obtain some assistance to the unfortunate woman as they drove off they heard the hoarse roar with which the mob preface acts of riot or cruelty yet even above that deep and dire note they could discern the screams of the unfortunate victim they were soon out of hearing of the cries but had no sooner entered the streets of carlisle than archibald at jeanie's earnest and urgent entreaty went to a magistrate to state the cruelty which was likely to be exercised on this unhappy creature in about an hour and a half he returned and reported to jeanie that the magistrate had very readily gone in person with some assistance to the rescue of the unfortunate woman and that he had himself accompanied him that when they came to the muddy pool in which the mob were ducking her according to their favourite mode of punishment the magistrate succeeded in rescuing her from their hands but in a state of insensibility owing to the cruel treatment which she had received he added 
that he had seen her carried to the workhouse and understood that she had been brought to herself and was expected to do well this last averment was a slight alteration in point of fact for madge wildfire was not expected to survive the treatment she had received but jeanie seemed so much agitated that mr archibald did not think it prudent to tell her the worst at once indeed she appeared so fluttered and disordered by this alarming accident that although it had been their intention to proceed to longtown that evening her companions judged it most advisable to pass the night at carlisle this was particularly agreeable to jeanie who resolved if possible to procure an interview with madge wildfire connecting some of her wild flights with the narrative of george staunton she was unwilling to omit the opportunity of extracting from her if possible some information concerning the fate of that unfortunate infant which had cost her sister so dear her acquaintance with the disordered state of poor madge's mind did not permit her to cherish much hope that she could acquire from her any useful intelligence but then since madge's mother had suffered her deserts and was silent for ever it was her only chance of obtaining any kind of information and she was loath to lose the opportunity she coloured her wish to mr archibald by saying that she had seen madge formerly and wished to know as a matter of humanity how she was attended to under her present misfortunes that complacent person immediately went to the workhouse or hospital in which he had seen the sufferer lodged and brought back for reply that the medical attendants positively forbade her seeing any one when the application for admittance was repeated next day mr archibald was informed that she had been very quiet and composed insomuch that the clergyman who acted as chaplain to the establishment thought it expedient to read prayers beside her bed but that her wandering fit of mind had returned soon after his departure however her countrywoman might see her if she chose it she was not expected to live above an hour or two jeanie had no sooner received this information than she hastened to the hospital her companions attending her they found the dying person in a large ward where there were ten beds of which the patient's was the only one occupied madge was singing when they entered singing her own wild snatches of songs and obsolete airs with a voice no longer overstrained by false spirits but softened saddened and subdued by bodily exhaustion she was still insane but was no longer able to express her wandering ideas in the wild notes of her former state of exalted imagination there was death in the plaintive tones of her voice which yet in this moderated and melancholy mood had something of the lulling sound with which a mother sings her infant asleep
as jeanie entered she heard first the air and then a part of the chorus and words of what had been perhaps the song of a jolly harvest home our work is over over now the good man wipes his weary brow the last long wane wends slow away and we are free to sport and play the night comes on when sets the sun and labor ends when day is done when autumn's gone and winter's come we hold our jovial harvest home jeanie advanced to the bedside when the strain was finished and addressed madge by her name but it produced no symptoms of recollection on the contrary the patient like one provoked by interruption changed her posture and called out with an impatient tone nurse nurse turn my face to the wall that i may never answer to that name any more and never see more of a wicked world the attendant on the hospital arranged her in the bed as she desired with her face to the wall and her back to the light so soon as she was quiet in this new position she began again to sing in the same low and modulated strains as if she was recovering the state of abstraction which the interruption of her visitants had disturbed the strain however was different and rather resembled the music of the methodist hymns though the measure of the song was similar to that of the former when the fight of grace is fought when the marriage vest is wrought when faith hath chased cold doubt away and hope but sickens at delay when charity imprisoned here longs for a more expanded sphere doff thy robes of sin and clay christian rise and come away the strain was solemn and affecting sustained as it was by the pathetic warble of a voice which had naturally been a fine one and which weakness if it diminished its power had improved in softness archibald though a follower of the court and a pococurant by profession was confused if not affected the dairymaid blubbered and jeanie felt the tears rise spontaneously to her eyes even the nurse accustomed to all modes in which the spirit can pass seemed considerably moved the patient was evidently growing weaker as was intimated by an apparent difficulty of breathing which seized her from time to time and by the utterance of low listless moans intimating that nature was succumbing in the last conflict but the spirit of melody which must originally have so strongly possessed this unfortunate young woman seemed at every interval of ease to triumph over her pain and weakness and it was remarkable that there could always be traced in her songs something appropriate though perhaps only obliquely or collaterally so to her present situation her next seemed the fragment of some old ballad cold is my bed lord archibald and sad my sleep of sorrow but thine shall be as sad and cold my foss true love to-morrow and weep ye not my maidens free 
though death your mistress borrow for he for whom i die to-day shall die for me to-morrow again she changed the tune to one wilder less monotonous and less regular but of the words only a fragment or two could be collected by those who listened to this singular scene proud maisie is in the wood walking so early sweet robin sits on the bush singing so rarely tell me thou bonny bird when shall i marry me when six broad gentlemen kirkward shall carry ye who makes the bridal bed birdie say truly the grey-headed sexton that delves the grave duly the glow-worm over grave and stone shall light thee steady the owl from the steeple sing welcome proud lady her voice died away with the last notes and she fell into a slumber from which the experienced attendant assured them that she never would awake at all or only in the death agony the nurse's prophecy proved true the poor maniac parted with existence without again uttering a sound of any kind but our travellers did not witness this catastrophe they left the hospital as soon as jeanie had satisfied herself that no elucidation of her sister's misfortunes was to be hoped from the dying person End of chapter sixteenth